Join me, if you will, in Psalm 79. Psalm 79. While you're turning there, just a note to be aware of. Nominations uh, for officers for the ballot are due Sunday, October 24th. Those were in your box uh, last Sunday. Um, So they'll be due. You have to turn them in by October 24th. There's a a little box on the Welcome Center that you fold them up and drop them in when you get those filled out. Turn them in there by the 24th, uh, October 24th, and we'll get those together. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this evening as we gather, we confess that there are many things on our hearts We come with different burdens, with different struggles. We have failed in different ways in this past week, even just the few days since Sunday. And yet with all our burdens and our failings, we have one hope. It's in Christ, our hope, our joy, even as we've just confessed in song. Heavenly Father, even as we look at this passage this evening, may we cling all the more to Christ. May we lean into him and not into our own works or to our own efforts, for we will fail, for even our righteousness is as filthy rags. And yet in Christ alone, there is salvation, there is hope, there is cleansing. I pray that you'd be honored in all that is said and done this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 79. O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. Your holy temple they have defiled. They have laid Jerusalem in heaps. The dead bodies of your servants they have given as food for the birds of the heavens, the flesh of your saints to the beasts of the earth. Their blood they have shed like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We have become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and derision to those who are around us. How long, O Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not know you and on the kingdoms that do not call on your name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his dwelling place. Oh, do not remember former iniquities against us. Let your tender mercies come speedily to meet us. For we have been brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. And deliver us and provide atonement for our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Let there be known among the nations in our sight the avenging of the blood of your servants which has been shed. Let the groaning of the prisoner come before you. According to the greatness of your power, preserve those who are appointed to die. And return to our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom, their reproach with which they have reproached you, O Lord. So we, your people, and sheep of your pasture, will give you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. As we come to Psalm 79, it's a very heavy psalm, specifically there in the beginning. It's the language of, of desolation, language of defeat. Uh, dead bodies of your servants, 
Uh, they have given as food for the birds of the heavens, the flesh of your saints, to the beasts of the earth. That is, uh, their blood they have shed like water all around Jerusalem. This is very heavy language, very descriptive. The context setting is most likely Nebuchadnezzar's destruction of the temple in 586 B.C. The temple has been destroyed. Jerusalem has been laid waste. More people have been carried off into captivity. And God's people are left to wonder, what are you doing, God? What are you doing? It's a lamentation. As you work your way through this, these first several verses are are lamentation over their situation. They're just simply describing what it looks like, what is going on. And then in verses 5 to 7, you have a cry for justice. Verses 8 and 9, a cry of repentance. Verses 10 to 12, a, a plea for mercy and deliverance. And then 13, expectation for God to hear and to respond. I mentioned the first thing you see is this lamentation over their situation. Oh God, the nations have come into your inheritance. The reference there is to Israel, specifically to Jerusalem. The mountain of God, his temple, his dwelling place, your people. The nations have come into it. They've taken possession of what is yours. Your holy temple they have defiled. They've laid Jerusalem in heaps. The dead bodies of your servants they have given as food for the birds of the heavens. The flesh of your saints and the beasts of the earth, their blood they have shed like waters all around Jerusalem. There is no one to bury them. We have become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and derision to those who are around us. This is a seemingly helpless situation. This is the worst of the worst. There's not even time to clean up the dead bodies, to wash away the blood that is in the streets. There's no one left to even bury them if there was time. They've been carried off into captivity. This is your mountain, God. This is your city. And there's dead bodies from your people spread all around. The blood of your people is running in the streets. The birds pick the flesh of your people. Verses 5 to 6, out of this situation, you have a cry for justice. How long, Lord? That's the cry of lament. How long, Lord? It's a cry that likely you're familiar with. It's a cry that I think is often the cry of our hearts. How long, Lord? may not come in those exact words. may sound like, what are you, what are you doing, God? Something is going on. I don't understand. How long will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? And yet notice even in that cry, there's a hint of faith still. There's a recognition that it is God who's doing this. You don't cry out to the Lord how long if you don't think that God is the one who can deliver you. If you don't think that he is the one who's doing this, that he is the one who's in control. So even in this chaos, even in this carnage, there's a recognition that God's in control. He's doing something. I I don't understand what it is. I can't wrap my mind around it. 
I don't know, Lord, why you would let it last this long. Why you would let it keep going. I don't know why you have not stepped in yet. And yet, even in that, I'm recognizing that this is your doing. That at some point you will step in. So how long, Lord? There's a cry for justice. How long will you let this go on, Lord? Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not know you. On the kingdoms that do not call on your name. For they have devoured Jacob. Again, a reference to, to Israel, your people. Laid waste to his dwelling place. How long, Lord, bring justice to your people? And yet, there's also a recognition here that God's judgment, right? He's recognizing that God has done this. You are doing this, Lord. How long? Where are you? There's a recognition that God's judgment is not arbitrary. But God's judgment is just, even though it hurts. And you see that as you come to verses 8 and 9, because here there's a recognition that this judgment is just because God's people are guilty. Bring judgment on those who have done this to us. And at the same time, bring forgiveness to your people because we are guilty. Verse 8, oh, do not remember former iniquities against us. Let your tender mercies come speedily to meet us. Show us mercy. Takes our mind back to Habakkuk 3.2. We were just in Habakkuk not that long ago. Habakkuk 3.2. The cry of Habakkuk after he's been crying out to the Lord. What are you doing? Very similar to this. I don't understand. Where are you God? Where is your justice? And God kind of opens his eyes and he shows Habakkuk. I'm doing a work in your day that you would not understand. I'm raising up the Babylonians. Look what I am doing. And then he goes through uh, in chapter 2, explaining how he's going to judge his people and then how he's also going to judge the Babylonians. They're not going to get away with it. All wickedness will be punished before a just God. And after seeing this in chapter 3, verse 2, Habakkuk says, Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. You are just in what you are doing. And yet you're also merciful. Do not consume your people. Remember the promises that you have made. That's what the psalmist here is clinging to. Let your tender mercies come speedily to meet us. Remember mercy, Lord, for we have been brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation. God of our salvation. The God who has led them into this is the God who will lead them out. Just as we've seen the last several weeks in the Psalms, uh, 76, 77, 78, reference back to the um, Exodus. The God who led them in is the God who led them out. That's the hope that they're clinging to. You are the God of our salvation and help us for the glory of your name. See, in the ancient world, when a nation was defeated, it was understood that it was because the nation who defeated them, their God was greater. If my nation defeats your nation, it's because my God is greater than your God. So the psalmist is crying out here, Lord, help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Your reputation is tied to us, your people. The nations look around and they think that our God is weak. They think that our God has been defeated. But for the glory of your name, Lord, step in. Show them your power and your might. 
Deliver us and provide atonement for our sins. Again, for your name's sake. Provide atonement for our sins. Forgive our sins and restore your people. Again, there's a recognition of guilt. We have sinned. We are guilty. This is just. Yet deliver us. Notice here the psalmist does not promise, it's not a promise here to do better. He doesn't say, deliver us and and we'll do better. It's deliver us and forgive us. It's a total surrender to the mercy and the purposes of God. Returning to God. It's not that they shouldn't strive to be better as God's people, that they should not strive to be faithful. What it is, is it's a recognition that God's mercy on them is not based on their faithfulness. Rather, they are called to be faithful because God has shown them mercy. Our hope is not based on our, what we do. Our hope is based on who you are. Because you are merciful, show us mercy. Because we are your people, not because we promise to do better in the future. We should do better. We should grow. We should be faithful. But because for your name's sake, because of who you are, forgive us, Lord. Cleanse us, atone, cover us our sins. Look over them. Cover them. Cry for repentance and then plea for mercy and deliverance. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Let there be known among the nations in our sight the avenging of the blood of your servants which has been shed. Let them see your might and your justice. Let the groaning of the prisoner come before you according to the greatness of your power. Preserve those who are appointed to die. Return to our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom the reproach with which they have reproached you, O Lord. Hear the cry of your people and proclaim your might and justice to the world. Heed our cry, forgive our sins, and bring justice. Let the world see the power of our God. Then you come to verse 13, which is really kind of phenomenal. That a psalm that starts with the first four verses, that this psalm starts with, with dead bodies in the streets, birds eating the flesh of the saints, blood like water in Jerusalem, can end with this verse. So we, your people, and sheep of your pasture, will give you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. There's an expectation for God to hear and to respond. Because God's people know that God is still good. And they know that their hope is still sure. And their God is still faithful. Despite the blood and the bodies and the streets. God is faithful. And he knows what he was doing. And I will cling to that truth There is an expectation for God to hear and to respond. In fact, note the hope that undergirds the prayer of the redeemed all throughout the Psalms. All the time, as we come to these laments, they always end in hope. There's always some kind of hope. There's there's something to cling to. 
Because God's people are never screaming out into an empty void. But in Christ, our prayers pierce through this world to the very throne room of heaven. God hears your prayer. And so there is always hope. Cling to that. Have an expectation for God to hear and to respond. Even this evening, in just a second, we're going to turn to take some prayer requests. Now, sometimes our prayer requests might feel like a hopeless situation. Have an expectation for God to hear and to respond for your good and for his glory. Because that's what he's promised. And that's what he will do. Cling to that hope. Your circumstances do not change who your God is. He is unchanging. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God of mercy. And yet he is not a God who overlooks sin. He is a just God and sin will be punished. And so turn to him in repentance. Repent of your sin and find forgiveness. He's a God who loves to forgive. And remember your unending hope and your never-changing Savior. With that, we're going to take some prayer requests.